Well, howdy y'all, Jessica DePazzi here, and I talk like that now because I live in Austin. Although I don't think it sounds that aligned for me yet anyway. Oh, I feel like such a faker. <laughs> so today's show is a really great one. I have a great, remarkable guest, like truly, not over speaking here. His name is Remington Donovan, and he is a master numerologist. He's been practicing for 30 years, I can believe it, 30 years in this realm is such a long time. He was born in an ashram, which is really great because he was born into this world. And he doesn't have these kind of spiritual person cliches that, no shade, because I do like the cliches too. Uh, he has, like he bypasses a lot of that because this is really his life. So he's also a comedian of sorts as well. So that makes this whole exploration around numerology, astrology, tarot, and divination just that much more accessible, uh, curious, and contemplative in a very fun way, which as you'll learn from this episode is pretty integral to understanding numerology in another kind of level beyond the basics. So one of the things I loved about this show is we talk about divination. And if you're anything like me, you love a psychic. You love somebody that's going to give you a little peek into what might be in your near future. And if you're also like me, you might wonder how the hell does it even work? So that was a burning question that I've always had. And I didn't expect Remington to be the person to answer that. I don't know why it didn't come across my mind until we were in conversation, but he went into depth around what is free will? What is uh, fate consciousness? What is destiny consciousness? What it is the way of life already lined up for us is the thing that the diviner is that what you call it the psychic or whoever is practicing for you is what they're saying going to happen if you want it to happen what do you have to do to change things what do you have to do if you don't want that thing to happen so i mean like pretty practical information if you're gonna ever see a psychic and um this was stuff that i didn't know so you're gonna love the show and well, okay, I can't say that. I think you'll like the show. And if you do, a rating and review would be so great. It's very nice for me and for my guests. Because as whole as we are, without ex external validation, it still feels good, to be honest. All right, enjoy the show with Remington Donovan. Uh, but if he was Hell's Angels in his past lifetime, is there anything numerologically that would tell him he would be different in this lifetime? Like, does it work like that in your system? Well, I, I mean, you could probably extrapolate something from that. I mean, if you really abstract the notion, say, of something like Hell's Angels, which we're saying because my one-year-old, I guess he's 15 months, but, you know, he's one, um, it really loves motorcycles. And so I'm always fascinated, like, what's, you know, where's he coming from from another life? So that's the joke is, like, maybe he was... A hell's angels but if you really think about that that is about community it's actually very aquarian in astrology like it's it's like your tribe it's your it's your collective right and i would think um he has a, a part of his numerology there's something called your experience number for everybody and that is based on the year you're born and that um so you add all of those numbers up and that tells you something that the idea is that's a number you've been working with. You have experience. So he was born in 2022. So his experience is a six. And I, my interpretation overall is that he at some point in a lifetime was some part of some sort of like 
intergalactic, like um, monastic order. Six is about being very dedicated to your spiritual tradition, spiritual path. So I kind of joke and call it like the monk number, but meaning like being a part of um, a society, a spiritual society where people are very dedicated. So in a way, I would think um, like the Hell's Angels on some level are that because they're dedicated to their community, to their group and whatever, you know, for them, maybe that's some sort of spiritual community and something that they're of service to in a way. That's so interesting because one wouldn't usually categorize Hell's Angels as monk-like energy. But that's one of the things I love about astrology and numerology is we get to see things from a completely different, like lots of different perspectives where, you know, I was just talking to a couple of gentlemen the other night and one was a Libra. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I love Libras. And he's like, well, you know, you can find so much on the internet about Libra or whatnot. He wasn't really into astrology clearly, but it's like, I can resonate with Scorpio or uh, Cancer. And so from that sense, I don't really buy into it. But if we dive really deep into the things that you do, we can find that there are some serious specifics and really like evolutionary ways of thinking about life that go far beyond what most people might think numerology or astrology is, which would be like some kind of divination thing or like you are a certain way and that's it. Oh, a hundred percent. And the thing is too, even in my book, um, I really try to get through and get the point across that, you know, even though I have some, some sort of broad stroke definitions of what, you know, the six is, for example, you need to be able to take that and allow it to be kind of a, a, a uh, like a springboard or an activation that allows your consciousness to go a lot further out with it. So then you would, you can start saying, well, what, what numerology would something like, you know, a, like the hell's angels be or something like that. Um, okay. Well, they're a community, even in astrology, that's going to be probably Aquarius, but in numbers, the six makes sense. Um, the, the six can be like a number of con a congregation, you know, six is a, a real estate agent, right? It's like this union of macrocosm and microcosm. So if you think about something like a spiritual society, let's say a, a monastic order for a church, a bunch of monks or nuns, they're a microcosm of practitioners in the greater macrocosm of the institution of a church, right? It's the same idea of uh, if you owned a medical recruiting firm, right? You're an agent, you have access to a greater collective of resources that an individual is going to hire you to be participate in your service would have access to. So yeah, you really got to use these numbers or astrology or any other divination as a tool to expand your consciousness. And then that a lot more starts to be revealed. Mm. How can, so if we just go back to the basics really quick, how would you explain numerology for somebody that's numerologically curious, probably believes it, but doesn't really understand like the Kabbalistic side of things where you come from? Well, the, well, gosh, so many, so many angles. The, the teaching in magic is that every number is infinite. There is no difference. So we could sit here forever and just be like, blah, 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 blah <laughs> about numbers. But numerology is a spiritual, as the way I deal with it and the way I teach it, the way it was taught to me, it is a spiritual practice. Mm 
right? So it's not any, it is a type of yoga. The practice of numerology in of itself is a meditation. And um, it is meant to activate something in your psyche, in your consciousness. And from that, it sort of like loosens you up, right? And then with as you practice it, there's a flow of information that will start coming through. Numerology is is very aligned to synchronicity. Mm. There's two rules. The first rule is there are no rules. The second rule is there are no coincidences, but also there are no rules, so it can't be a rule. But um, there is this synchronicity. So what I have found too is that by practicing numerology, things start to work out. Things start to align. Right. So the numerology, I, I use it in a lot of different facets, but in my numerology book, I teach people how to do a chart uh, the way I do it. Right. This, there it is. I actually made sure I got a copy <laughs> off the shelf. Didn't know how much we were going to film here. But um, so there is a method in which you can create a chart. Those listening, if you're familiar with astrology, it's like your astrology chart. So based on your birthday, there is a series of numbers and each placement means something, right? So we're talking about the experience number, which is what you've already, a number, really not the number, but it's the idea and the spiritual teachings and all the energies of what that number is that you've spent many lifetimes working with that. Now, a, a numerology chart is a great way to show where an individual has tendencies, has ability, has natural ability, and then little things that each individual was here and incarnated to work on, right? So that's like your karma number, for example. Um, but, you know, I have these definitions in my book, but, you know, just through practice and keeping an open mind, um, you'll start to get a sense. Like I've looked at people and literally looked, I usually don't talk since COVID. I don't talk about this that much publicly because everything gets uh, censored and then someone's going to misconstrue me as if I'm like diagnosing people, you know, with medical <laughs> conditions. So I always say, if you're having a medical uh, emergency called 911 and not a numerologist, <laughs> And we could do but, probably, yeah. I should do yeah. a numerology breakdown on 911 as well. Um, but uh, I mean, I've seen things like I've seen autoimmune conditions, like nailed things like, you know, ulcer, what is it, ulcerative colitis or lupus or something like that. And there's no, not in my book, any other numerology book, and you're certainly not going to find it online. Oh, this combination of numbers means this. Right. Or this combination of numbers means that somebody should work in hospice care. Right. But these are the things that pop out because the practice itself puts your mind in a different frequency. And that frequency attracts higher knowledge is is the way I that's the best way I could describe it. But there's something within all of us that we have access to something higher. So any divination is meant to like trigger that response. And you brought up a good point too. Like, is, are these not, you know, your birthday or whatever, is this fixed, the set in stone? This is just how you are. Uh, not at all. I mean, for one thing, all of us use every single number in our life, uh, but your chart 
I mean, I really got into the charts because I learned my chart and I was like, God damn, that is like spot on. And this is the stuff I need to work on. And um, so it's a great little instruction manual um, as to where I frame it usually as to where people have ability. I There's deeper numerology that is sort of predictive, but it's sort of it, it'll tell you what energies are at play and sort of, I guess, coded messages. And then how I interpret that is probably why I'm kind of known for it or good mm -hmm. or writing books on it and what. You're very good at it. I got a reading from uh, Remington in 2019. Is it that long already? It was either 2000. Yeah, it was late 2019. Jeez, it doesn't okay. seem that long ago. A lot of life has happened. <laughs> oh, gosh, I was like, wait, I didn't even know about a kid or moving across the country or no, I didn't even that. have a book out by then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was really remarkable. Um, and something, so I want to go into all the juicy bits around astrology and numero numerology specifically. But the thing that I wanted to cover before we get into too much of that are so many modalities that can be used for good can also be used for evil or at least to our detriment. What are some of the things that you need to contemplate before getting into numerology? Like what are some of the pitfalls that you see people falling into as they start to get into these types of things? Um, the first I'm going to say is being too intellectual with it and being too heady and being too literal, right? Mm -hmm. You should go in and keep a really open mind. You, you take my book, and and allow get into this creative artistic poetic meditative flow so people that and this is the same if you're doing astrology which i do tarot um any other divination you know i really used to be into I Ching, for example you know and i go through phases i can pretty much utilize any type of divination because once you learn the sort of big picture and how to interpret and allow it to be, you know, an activator, which it seems like a word I'll use a lot for this podcast, but it does trigger something in your psyche if you allow it. So you have to pay attention to that. I also tell people, and this merges with tarot, I'm really, tarot is like, that'll be my next book so we can talk even more on tarot, but um, the, I was taught, I'm, you can never look it up in a book when you're doing a reading. Because then it just becomes a philosophical, intellectual process, and you're completely removed from that flow of a higher uh, wisdom that really is going to come through. So any divination, whatever it is, you need to allow that space, and there will be answers that come to you that you never knew you knew. Okay. And then eventually, you take it into to everything. Um, you know, it's interesting you brought up, you can like use it for some inherent evil. I'll tell you, um, numerology, I feel the numerology that I do for the charts, I think is pretty benign. I think, you know, the worst thing you could do is really um, sort of misinterpret it or think that you're fated, meaning like it's all fate, like you can't move out of something. Right. Right. Like you have, for example, my karma number. Wait, what month were you born? December. Okay, so your karma number, that would be a three. And so mm -hmm. that is what, um, you know, that's just something you're meant to work on. Now, I could interpret that and say, oh, you're always going to be 
you know, three is, it could go in a lot of different directions. Three is a number of strength. It is sort of, I call it the presidential number. It's a natural leader, right? So then you look at what's the deficient of that is going to be really meek, not going to sort of, I don't want to say stand up for yourself, not meaning you always have to set boundaries, but just assert yourself. Like three and five are powerful numbers, but the deficient of three is also overthinking and creating a sense of dread and like no. not processing things correctly. It's always going to be the, it's the called the positive mind, right? Which should be optimistic, but then you take it, where are you working on? Well, where do you spin out on all worst case scenarios of everything, right? Mm -hmm. But like I could say, <clears throat> oh, well, that's how it always is for you. When mm -hmm. really what you have access to is learning what you're meant to learn this lifetime among other things is how to be a natural leader how to stand in your confidence how to um you know there's a there's a optimistic and organized and you know three is a more intellectual number and it really knows the right answer it knows when to take action it, it's great i want to hire threes if i was like starting a big company something like that so you know, the more you step into some form of leadership and to feel confident in that. But what I do see, especially with astrologers, um, and it, this is just my experience. So anyone out there really loves Vedic, and I'm sure there are amazing Vedic astrologers. <laughs> But I do feel that my, my landlord is a Vedic astrologer. So if you're watching, I don't agree with anything he's about to say. Okay. <laughs> um, well, according to my Vedic uh, interpretations, your rent could be lower. Now, um, well, thank you. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's just a cultural thing, but I do see it in astrology anyhow, where it's like you're speaking in terms of fate. And, um, you know, it is what it is. Like, for example, my sister-in-law um went to an astrologer and the astrologer said well your first marriage will end in divorce hmm. i've had clients that have been told they will literally have been told they will never meet a soulmate or a partner Jeez. i've had uh women be told um you know you'll never have a child right things that they really longed for um and I know men that definitely long to have a child and family for sure. But um, I think that's really dangerous because the way and I feel like there's a lot of people out there, they're not trained in this at all. And I was trained a couple of things. One, you have to be specific. Mm -hmm. Two, you have to provide the clarent with the solution. See, if everything, if you looked at a chart and said, no matter what, your first um, marriage will end in divorce, you know, she's been in a relationship for a long time. And I do feel like part of the, the hang up is that astrology reading. Because I'm like, well, if I marry this guy, it's going to end in divorce. Now, I will say this astrologer did provide a solution that you should have a wedding ceremony, like marry a tree and then cut it down. Okay that I would come up with a different solution, but at least that astrologer was providing a solution. So I always look at what are the, look at, let's look at these conflicts and then what's, what's the solution here? Like I'll do a read and maybe look into a new job for somebody. And maybe there's a, it's riddled with conflict and problems and deceit 
you know so when you become aware of that it's not set in stone maybe that it will be that way and maybe that the outside will be that way but what's not set in stone is how you can manage that so okay be on your guard uh i mean i've seen crazy stuff in readings that have been really spot on especially when you're dealing with other people and egos and things like that but so it's just you have to you have to give people a solution i i that's how i usually frame things i like to see what is this person's and most of my readings like my main like sort of soul session what is your highest potential that i we can see at this point that's attainable and all of these different uh astro whether it's astrology or numerology can manifest in different ways right like three which is a number of confidence it's the third chakra which is your command center it's the positive mind you know uh, that could take that could be too bossy too assertive too you know domineering too controlling things like that you know so maybe that's what you need to work on but um you know so it just takes some you just have to apply some wisdom you also have to be specific i mean i've definitely i'll get reading sometimes like I'll be traveling and I'll go into a little tchotchke, spiritual tchotchke shop. And, Love those. You know, it's like 40 bucks. And I kind of just do it sometimes to support and I'm a little curious, but it's always like really vague. Oh yeah, I see these great energies coming and then uh, big shifts for you. Like big shifts, <laughs> how? Like what's happening? Like is my book launch going to go great or, you know, um, and that's where, and also the other thing is too, I try not to overspeak in the language of whatever divination it is, right? So I'm not going to be like, oh God, yeah, you have a soul of five, right? Like I've had that, like, oh, your Pluto is transiting, you know, your sixth house. Like, oh. ah. <laughs> okay, what the hell does that mean? So I was taught when you do a reading, never assume that the querent has never heard of the word astrology has no idea what mars is has no idea what a tar what tarot is what the word kabbalah anything so you, that also helps you to be more specific mm -hmm. and to hone in what the heck you're actually trying to say like the tarot is always right the astrology is always right the numerology is always right we maybe could interpret it better and, I, and in hindsight like it's so layered and I have like interpreted things spot on, but then there was a whole other layer that went even deeper than I saw at that moment. Right. Like at the beginning of 2020, what year was that in terms of numerology? That was like a four. Okay. So 2020 was a four year. And that was like COVID spectacular situation yeah. so what did four uh, tell us about that what did you predict for th this is a, sorry <laughs> no, go question. Ahead. <laughs> so i'm like innocently rolling into 2020 it's a four year four is a is a number of, of compassion it's a really high love like love with mm. a capital l you know like universal like divine love you know accepting merciful beneficent energy of the universe it's also, you know, things with numerology, you're allowed to start just free associating, right? So that's four in Kabbalah is Jupiter. And Jupiter is that expansion of miracles and love and wisdom. It's also the heart chakra, right? And in a yogic system. So 
and whatever other spiritual tradition you follow there's there's numbers that are a part of it you know but um i was saying that this is going to be a year uh in a way i said it's a year of rest i was actually on a pretty big podcast at the beginning of the year and they replayed the episode because i was super spot on but it had nothing to do with the pandemic i said it's a great year to spend time at home i said it's a great year to like ease up and forgive yourself and forgive those around you i did say you know four's shadow side is going to be like prejudice so things like racism well what was the hot topic besides mm -hmm. covid it was all race relations and especially in america right we had all that george floyd stuff so i was like right on i just didn't think oh that's how it was going to manifest but i said this line on that podcast and i said this four year is like taking a bubble bath and relaxing and getting paid well for the first time in like history literally almost every person on the planet was like i think over a third of the planet got like had to stay at home and in america i know so many people that either like got on you know extra unemployment whatever the case was and uh actually for the first time took like a year off in their life mm -hmm. right and as much as like people went broke and got weird there was like the economy was actually booming all these people were like day trading at home so there was like a miracle aspect to it because when's the last time that ever happened like i don't think it's ever happened where you could just relax at home um and that's four could be a lazy energy i think people are still reeling from it i think a lot of people just want to be putzing around at home now definitely it brought up in a lot of us things that were repressed because of the busyness yeah. that we had been born into and i think yeah the reeling is not being able to unsee and unhear your inner narrative which became very loud for a lot of people at that time well I, yeah i mean i think we've seen a lot of despair like every death in my life has has had nothing to do with covid but it has had to do with isolation mm. with addiction with suicide uh, and other medical complications. And um, there's like, it, and then for some people, I think realizing, oh, we, you know, my life maybe on some level feels so small and I'm just showing up to a job and I hate, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's been a mass, like nobody can find help. It still seems that way. So I think like, but I also know a lot of people that used it as a, use the miracle energy and that's what i kept emphasizing there's a miracle here these are are high things out of our control a lot of this was out of our control but i knew a lot of people that pivoted their businesses there's so many stories if you chose to look in that direction of people that use that time to reassess their life what they really want to do they realize their job is meaningless and not paying them enough and created businesses looked at the opportunity there's always opportunity i think there's more opportunity now than there ever has been um but people also will fall into what i call the diabolical miracle and that really emphasized i think a narrative in 2020 of just institutional oppression of some everything mm -hmm. was institutional institutional sexism institutional racism ins just institutional oppression I mean, and the reality is it, while you're getting oppressed, like you can't go here, you can't go there, you have to do this to get, get a slice of pizza, 
you know, things like that. So I'm anti-oppression. Um, but uh, controversial. <laughs> what's that? How controversial of you? Anti. Yeah, no, that. I know. Like you uh, mentioned the word freedom now, and you're like, oh, where's? But um, <laughs> you know, I so I hit the nail on the head, but I had no idea why. And just mm -hmm. I want to make it clear, I'm in this racket. I had never met. I did not meet one astrologer, and I know some famous astrologers. Nobody called COVID. Nobody <laughs> called it. What, what people said is there were some big, crazy aspects happening, and 2020 could be a big shakeup year, but no one called it. And it's easy to call it in hindsight, but what I called was like, hey, we can spend more time at home, collect check, collect money. That's what like a lot of America did that. Yeah. You know, a lot, and it's also crazy to think I knew a lot of people are just working, you know, various odd and jobs and all of a sudden with like unemployment and stuff. They're like, wait, I'm making like more a week than I am at my jobs. You know, um, I also know a lot of people that totally got hurt and it was a real problem. But um, I don't know. There's miraculous opportunities. That's for sure. I'm glad this conversation is going this direction because I have a very like real question that burns inside of me that I didn't realize you'd be the person I'd ask this to okay. about divination yeah, and fate consciousness versus destiny consciousness, because I love me some divination. I'm not a practitioner, but I'll pick up some cards here and there. I will reach out to people like you. I go see a psychic every once in a while and I love astrology. I love all these things and the I Ching. I have them tattooed on my oh, arm goodness. here, but uh, what, okay. There's a question that needs to be formulated in the right way here because it's a big one. Okay. And I feel like you might know where I'm going with this. But when you work with divination as somebody who actually is the practitioner, what are you working with to determine this potential outcome for the for the querent? Um, like, because you are seeing that something is going to happen, but there's also free will, right? There's also many different timelines that we can tap into. So, like, what is the thing that we're doing there? Well... So I think tarot um, is a really is a really great tool to get into divination. And what I always say is, what tarot, for example, is going to show is it shows it's it's a mirror of what's happening now. Generally speaking, the trajectory of the future is based on the sort of current timeline of events. And so it'll show that trajectory. And so if you see a lot of problems and conflicts and all these swords and nine of swords and all these doom and gloom cards, um, you know, that's coming up because it's showing, look, this is the road that you're kind of going down. That's what this endeavor might be about. Maybe you're just like, hey, I'm going to vacation in Hawaii. And it's like, uh, a lot of, and you may see, oh, okay, travel conflicts, delays, the hotel room might be moldy or something weird, or it's not as advertised, right? Like, um, so you have to take all that and say, okay, where can I be more prepared? For example, I did a read, I was traveling to New York City, and all I got was conflict cards, five of wands with the strife, and I was like, okay, so what I need to do, I just knew it was all about timing of not missing the plane. And I needed to leave a lot earlier because I was like taking the train to the airport. 
I had left way early and thank God because the train had broken down. So then mm. everything just getting to the airport was delayed by a couple hours. They had to switch out the trains and there was construction. So that's like minor, but I didn't say, oh, I'm going to have a horrible trip. It just let me see what was the external conflicts. What can I do about it? You know, some things are going to be out of our control too, but um you know, the the future, like if the future was set in stone, this is what my teacher taught me. If the future was set in stone, there would absolutely be no reason to do any of these divination practices because it is what it is. You have totally disempowered. You can't do anything. So why look into it? <laughs> the whole point is to adapt and to cause change. So whenever I get like a negative card, if you will, that's a lesson that is you know it's on some level it's a warning but it the lesson is telling you look there's going to be problems in this arena and this is the solution so that's why i always have to speak in solution it's not any different than you have a gas gauge on your car that gas gauge you know you want your car to let you know hey you're on empty you gotta go get gas and think about the amount of anxiety if you didn't have a gas gauge and you're like driving across country, <laughs> like especially from like Arizona to Texas across the desert where you don't want to get like stuck. Um, you know, so be thankful for those those warnings. You're thankful. You're grateful for your gas gauge. And if you if you don't realize you are, take it, dismantle it and see how anxiety, like how anxious you are driving. Um mm -hmm. But solution is the key, and that's just where a wise um, reader will, um, you know, look in, in those terms. What can I do about it? So, you know, I mean, sometimes it could be I'll get certain fiery cards and I'll just know, okay, I'm not going to fly off the handle. I'm not going to react to anything. Um, I'm not going to do anything ridiculous or impulsive. Like, we just had this wild eclipse recently mm -hmm. and i got some like kind of heavy intense cards and i was like it, one like sort of fiery destructive and i was gonna like chainsaw some stuff around a property from these <laughs> trees that have fallen and start a burn pile um of debris and i was like you know what i'm just that's not probably what I should do today, <laughs> right? Was I yeah. destined to have like some violent encounter? Um, no, but <laughs> I we did. Uh, I led this meditation for this retreat, and they actually all came to our house. Uh, it was a group from New York City, and um, I had kept teaching that there was deeper numerology on this past eclipse, talking about uh, the biggest thing you can do is to the biggest sacrifice and the most noble sacrifice is a broken heart and to mm. surrender your broken heart to the fires of love and i was like this is really beautiful that's based on the number 14 and so that's deeper numerology well after i was teaching about this i even led a meditation to clear and heal a broken heart and to release grief um and we we had some people over and it was like a long day everyone was tired i was like let's just get pizza like, i'm not like cooking and so i kept the pizzas warm in the oven which i've done a million times all of a sudden my buddy looks over 
everything's smoking. I open up the oven. The pizza box is on fire. And I was like, oh, shit. My first instinct is like, okay, I grabbed mitts. Let me just get get it in the sink. But they were too much on fire. They all collapsed on our wood floor. And then we were like dousing it with water. And I had this big pot of tea on the stove. And I was like, okay, maybe I didn't surrender my broken heart, but I definitely <laughs> sacrificed this pizza. But there, I, I did, like the pizza's caught on fire, the box is caught on fire. I also learned, oh shit, I, this is how fires escalate fast, mm. right? Like if if it were if our stove is in the wall, is in a stone wall. But I was like, oh, if this was our oven and then a dishcloth by it and by the other wood on our countertop, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, and there's a little burn mark on our floor. But, you know, I was talking about that incident and saying sometimes these things through doing practices and meditations and working more on your destiny, even clearing out karma, not living, surrendering to like, it is what it is. This is the fate of my life. Um, you alleviate a lot of situations that probably could have been a lot worse. Now, I don't know, but based on those cards, based on the energy of the eclipse, where it was for me, um, it's possible that had I not throughout my life done all that work, it could have been a more tragic and violent day. And um, so maybe the energy sort of got diffused through a pizza box. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like. So, okay, I really want to understand this. Um, yeah. The lesson, so do you assign meaning then to the fire that was started? Or is it sometimes the pizza is just a pizza? Both. I mean, yeah. sometimes a pizza is just a pizza. And, you know, I thought I had it on a low temperature. I've certainly done it like before. I think we've all uh, put a pizza box in the oven. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like I wasn't cooking. It wasn't on like 400. It was on the warm setting. So it was really low. So there is that. But I really feel intuitively in this case, based on everything that I saw that day, that it it diffused what there's a teaching. There's a yogic teaching that a lot of times, like maybe, you, you know, you stub your toe, you cut your finger, maybe you get into a fender bender, you know, not none of this is great, but there actually was a sort of a timeline at one point where that accident could have been way worse. Okay. And so by, by being in this, this energy flow and, and staying up with some level of practices, and this isn't like about reward or punishment, but you're changing your frequency. I know someone who they're like hardcore military person, and now they're a pretty hardcore yogi. But uh, there actually are a bunch of military guys that I know in yoga. Um, but he kept having premonitions of a really bad car accident, like a huge pileup that he was in the middle. Like he was having dreams about it. And there's a protection mantra in yoga. Adhidevane, Jugakadevane, Satvadevane, Siddhidevane. Anyhow, that just gets said often. And... Um, the idea of that is that it, it, it changes the time, your ability to respond. It gives you nine seconds. So all of a sudden, some time later, he actually drove up onto the accident that he kept envisioning mm -hmm. that he um, 
was having dreams like he was like in the tragic part in this accident this car was over. he drove up on the accident he's like oh my god this is the accident but although there was a lot of car damage to the best that he could tell it didn't look like any real serious injuries i mean he didn't know for sure but he also um nothing affected him he came up after the fact and he's this my friend is very intuitive very psychic um so that's what i'm saying like we we there's so many levels to this work um you know but if i get the death card in a reading you know that's usually not it's not you know you're not dying Right. Have I seen death in a reading? Absolutely. Like I literally see it around someone. I'll, I'll just ask, like, or do you have a you know a sick relative, family member? And then it'll turn out, oh, you know, I've been caretaking for my father, his stage four cancer, or whatever. And in that case, I'm gonna say, look, all of this points to that transition. So you should do what you need to do, you know, and, and whatever you need to say, and be preparing to know this is i mean we all know it's inevitable but it's popping up in a reading it's probably happening sooner than later this is a topic that i'm absolutely obsessed about this realm of do okay life's inherent challenges the trauma of life the adversity of life and what is its purpose in our experience uh, back when you and i talked in 2019 i was telling you about doing this documentary on post-traumatic growth and you're like right. yeah do that. Well, <laughs> so now actually, you have a good chart for all that stuff. Thank you. <laughs> you have a good chart for trauma. <laughs> I know, right? So I am, because I know that I'm being very proactive about it. I'm like, I'm chasing the trauma. It's not chasing me. <laughs> right. But um, in that exploration, we were looking at, well, okay, so why do bad things happen to good people more or less? You know, that thing we've been screaming at the heavens for as long as we probably could. And so the big kind of debate actually in between between our team is this idea, one idea around who are we to determine what is a bad event, you know, mm -hmm. because we all know that sometimes some tragic death in our family that seems unbearable at the time and probably is quite unbearable for a long time afterwards created a cascade effect of somebody then realizing what's important in life. And then there's another side on our team that's like, but we have free choice. Like, did Jesus Christ have to be crucified on the cross for all of us to find salvation? Like, is there a way around these things? So if I can tell me if I'm on the right track here with what you're saying and what I'm saying and trying to resolve some of this, is it that, okay, there is an energy or a lesson that the universe is inviting us to learn from. And if at some point it just may stop playing nice, but if you tune into that lesson the the lesson that it expresses itself in may be more subtle and less like getting nailed to the cross and more like your pizza box is on fire which is better than getting crucified <laughs> I, think um, so. I even saved two of the pieces but um well <laughs> I, you know i'm gonna say i think we all definitely think about this type of thing the way that I not just I these are sort of the way maybe it was taught to me is um I mean some things probably are inevitable um but we like by doing certain spiritual just practices living a life dedicated to some type of evolution that's the evolution of your soul 
There's so many, there's endless practices, endless spiritual traditions. Um, you're, you're definitely creating, um, you're giving yourself a lot more ability and a lot more empowerment. And so that's what I was trying to say is like that time that, you know, someone maybe cuts their finger, you know, slicing celery or something where maybe their frequency was at one point was off kilter enough, right? I see a lot of karma as just sort of this mismatch of like off kilter frequencies. We're always trying to reconcile and um, sort of clear up. And, um, you know, so perhaps that just cutting your finger and bleeding, putting a bandaid on, I, I really think, oh, that could have been a worse situation. I mean, I can speak for myself years ago when I lived a lot more chaotically um, through my own struggles of, of addiction and depression and, and whatnot, that's all I created around me. All I created was problems, right? I was always like broke. I was always like in some sort of chaos just to, just for like basic life management. And as I, I move out of that energy, which is what inspired my my new book prosperity practices um as i move out of that frequency that's where we have free will we can move out of those frequencies i do believe that everything is connected and when we're creating things right i mean how many stories you've probably heard this where someone's like um you know they're complaining about something i i actually knew someone that kept complaining about you know their their children and this and that then they got like ovarian cancer because they kept like we we create so much and i think we create a lot of problems through just shitty thinking not smart lifestyle you know i know for me when i was in the throes of like active addiction um which is already expensive but my and then I was still into all of this stuff, right? So it was a real struggle and I was living a double life and I couldn't just surrender and say, look, I have a problem and, I, and I'm totally dedicated to my spiritual evolution, but I was just creating chaos. I was always like living in some scarcity. And those were the things I started to change around all through from the simplest things to like a gratitude list, for example. But I was like, I was at a point in my life where all the only solution that made sense to me was to die. That was my only way out. Like I was, I had convinced myself that I was sort of incarnated just slightly in the wrong time and place, right? Like I want to wow. be like a free, you know, vibing spirit. And it's not like I didn't, like I worked and things like that, but just the most basic things in life felt like the biggest struggle. Or just like keeping a job and renting a room and just paying minimal of bills and things like that. But also what I didn't confront is I really had a lot of depression that I sort of brushed off and also addiction. And so everything was nothing. I was always a day late and a dollar short. This, the, except for one day for me was the first day I was clean, which was November 1st of 2012 and i had nothing i was totally broke but i was like i need to change the frequency i need to change it so i got 
really on my meditations, but I remember making, I had nothing and I was about to get evicted and I made the longest gratitude list of my life. Mm. I mean, I was grateful for my toothbrush. I realized, okay, how much I had and it took away so much of my despair and my anxiety. Um, and I'm telling you from that moment on, everything kept working out. And a lot of times too, like you'll have a heavy hitter, you'll see the tower card and the death card or astrology. That's going to be some sort of Pluto Mars, like, Oh shit. Um, and you know what? Those sort of blessings in disguise are completely blessings that are not in disguise. We're just attached to our own ego narrative of how we think everything is supposed to work out. Right. So uh, it's learning to, there's a balance that is tricky and I don't have the perfect answer, but there's a balance of allowing divine purpose and flow and while and like receiving and taking action. What I've gotten good at is allowing the receptive space and know where to take action. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten way better at action. But when I was in all of that depression and addiction, nothing worked out. Like I got fired got evicted it's not like people people liked me you know they were like apologizing but like um i couldn't line anything up i just couldn't make ends meet and that's why i was like oh i'm such a miserable failure at life like i can't even i just can't function i literally went to the beach in venice and wrote a suicide note and my pen literally ran out of ink And I'm not exaggerating. It was a brand new pen that I took out of a new, because I was doing stand-up comedy. So I wrote, I hand wrote all of this material all the time. And I kept a notebook with me all the time. And um, I literally took a brand new pen. It ran out of ink. Like, and I kept like scratching it, like, you know, like, okay. And I know now, like, that was a higher, that was divine interference being like, dude, shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> but um, <laughs> at that moment, I felt so defeated. I felt like such a life loser that I'm like, wow, I'm so pathetic that I can't even write a suicide. Mm-hmm. Where, where is that? Was I going to totally take, you know, act on? I don't know, but that's where I felt. Like I felt so much peace once I decided that's what I needed to do. Um. And admittedly, I probably didn't have the guts, but um, still, I was in that space. You know, I just wish, like, you know, I got hit by a truck. And that's the thing. I think I could have set that up. I think a lot of overdoses are inadvertent. They're suicides, whether it's it's just an unconscious one. Um, You know, how many stories of people where they're like, you know, they've been married for 80 years, you know, their whole life, you know, you married your, like, third grade sweetheart and that person they die and someone they get into a car accident like a couple days later like mm-hmm. uh, i've seen that a lot but i mean i was i was creating a shitty frequency but i do feel like the sort of whether you want to say god's will for you or your higher purpose your higher destiny is that is meant to be prosperous and as you do these practices shit just starts to work out you're always in the right place in the right time. And since that gratitude list, that is a hundred percent in my life. Why are so many, for lack of a better word, spiritual people so broke? Like that's a thing. Like financially? Yeah. Um, because they need to read my new book. <laughs> Prosperity I talk about practices. That. 
Um, that is a really, I thank you for bringing this up. Um, I think we're still operating in an old paradigm that is designed to keep people oppressed and broke. And um, I, I think that there's a, still a narrative that, um, you know, spirituality doesn't, shouldn't involve money. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, money, like when we look at tarot, look at astrology, look at magic, look at alchemy. We have four worlds. We have the four elements. We have fire, we have water, you know, so there's fire signs, there's water signs, there's air signs, there's earth signs. The tarot is broken down that way. Well, earth is money. And so we, I think that our culture just comes from these like transcendent monastic vow traditions. I mean, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Christianity, where you sort of give everything up, right? Mm-hmm. I fell into that narrative um, because I grew up on an ashram where people literally were so hardcore yogis, they took monastic vows. They lived like monks and nuns dedicated to their practice. You take a, a monastic vow is taking a vow of, of poverty and celibacy. And so I just think that's still running the course. But also, as I started to learn magic when I was a little older, like that money is really important. It took me a while to sort it out and to have more drive, but money, making money is a form of self-care, is a form of self-love. And you have to know that the earth realm is just as spiritual as the quote spiritual realms or the emotional realms or the intellectual realms. Um, But I think that, uh, I, I think there's, I mean, I see a lot with a lot of clients. There's still a lot of a lot of programming around spirituality or you can't charge and things like that. And um, I mean, those were definitely my lessons. I actually pitched this book <clears throat> um, from saying like I went from $11 an hour to hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like that's a powerful trajectory. Um I think there's a lot of misfunction with um, what people perceive as spirituality and with money. You know, in magic, the teaching is spirituality is the whole of your life. So if you start thinking being like successful financially and creating that as part of your spiritual practice, you're incarnated on earth. Like we, you know, you'd have to, you have to create resources. Like, even if we're just living, you know, in the sticks somewhere, you still have to, like, gather. You still have to hunt. You still have to provide. Um, but, yeah, I don't – what are your thoughts on the money deficiency? Because it is – it's a common thing for sure. Well, I mean, just on the surface, I think I'm going to group myself into uh, the type of person that sees – that has grown up seeing the haves – as people who are oppressive, creating difficulty to rise up through the financial ranks, um, perhaps observing, I'm from South LA and I don't come from an impoverished family, but I had a lot of that around me. And so I was very aware of the haves and the have nots and how the have nots seem to serve the haves and this lack of gratitude for, from both parties. And then being somebody who also likes to look out for the little guy, then feeling like I'm on their team. And if I'm going to be on their team, 
then there must be some kind of divide that then puts me onto the other team, which I have deemed evil. <laughs> so right. I've done a ton of work around this and I wouldn't even call it work, but just in observation and having more life experiences around people that, you know, create um, resources out of unresolved trauma and hoard money. And then the other kind of person that is creating from a place of abundance and gives back. And there's a constant flow of this kind of energy that they're putting out into the world. And now being more aware of that, I'm like, okay, I think I really understand a prosperity practice and what that could mean. Because before when I would do a prosperity practice, it would be rooted in some kind of separateness from spirit. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that's what we're both saying. I think you have such a, a deep point though of either you know, looking at people that have those resources, demonizing it. But, you know, to be honest, uh, this is probably a controversial statement, but it's a reality. Poverty is fucking selfish. Like, you're Ooh, not... tell me more about that. Like, you're not... I was poor for too long. I couldn't give anything. I mean, I just... Like, these little things, like, all I'm doing is my life when your life is focused on just your day-to-day -day financial struggle, even if you're like, hey, I do my meditations and stuff like that, um, I am not providing. Not only it's selfish to myself, but I have no means in which to help and provide and expand for others. Mm -hmm. And um, I realize now, looking back, like, God, I just, I was, it's really easy to be self-absorbed and being and your entire life is about the managing of a few dollars. You know, I would like, I'd have to check my bank account if I was going to spend $12 on lunch at one point, you know? Um, and I wasn't, I certainly didn't buy lunch for anybody else. And so I was just living in scarcity. I think it's really cool that we're bringing this up because astrologically today, at the time of recording this at 1.26 p.m. and my Eastern time, uh, but right now, at the time of recording this, Jupiter just entered um, Taurus. And Taurus's shadow side is all about scarcity, poverty, depravity. Its positive side is material security, your true talents and self-worth and self-value. People are poor inherently on some level because they don't value themselves. There's also mm -hmm. conditioning that money is the root of all evil, especially with spiritual people. Money's all evil, right? Capitalism is evil, blah, blah, blah. Um, and what I always say is the lack of money is the root of all evil. Because even people that are like, there's all these billionaires, like, you know, there's like six billionaires that are super famous and they're just like on a world domination insanity. Well, it's insatiable. It's because they still feel like they lack in my opinion. So, you know, also I've flipped things that when I didn't have, say, a lot of money, I, I had a really rich life, right? So it's an attitude adjustment. I know people that are rich as fuck and that are really poor. Their psyches are poor, their energies are poor, and they have no idea what they're doing. And um, except they're able to tune into money for whatever reason. Um, I think money is a huge uh, trigger, but this Jupiter and Taurus, Jupiter is love, is kindness and abundance, relates to the number four, and Taurus is your resources. Taurus is where you find out what is your talent and how can you apply your talents to create resources, financial security, solvency, 
it's the money sign. And um, like, I can share this because this was some of my journey, but um, Jupiter is going to be this high roller and it's very giving. So that's where it's important too, to like, to give. And I just got better at that. And then things just kept growing for me financially, switching all those things, you know? Um, and also learning more about like, there's a frequency I'm putting out there. What is that frequency worth? You know, I was making $11 an hour as an adult man, which was also super triggering because I'm like, mm. I should be accomplished way more as a man. I'm 40. And, um, then that I would just spiral out like I'm a total loser, right? These, those are the deficient sides that are Taurus. Taurus is ruled by Venus. Venus is about true self-worth. Otherwise, it's about jealousy. And it's what you said. You're comparing yourself to others. You're comparing yourself to the haves. And therefore, you're deficient. And you couldn't be that. And I mean, of course, I mean, I want the planet to do well, but I think most of the planet on some level is operating in profound scarcity. And I see these Taurus center, this Taurus energy moving around and these signs right now at the time of recording this, <clears throat> the big energies, big abundant energies moving in that. Some people could go big in scarcity. Jupiter is going to add more to whatever you're doing. Mm. So it, it could make you more poor if you want to live in. So you got to learn to just not love money out of greed, love money out of self-love and self-care. That was my biggest lesson, making money is self-care. Yeah, I love that. Uh, if we, so your book isn't available here in the U.S. or in well, well, probably, when is this coming out? It's available on the 23rd. So we, we're coming up uh, like less than a week or so or whatever. I'm going to see um, if I can put this out today, actually, which is the... Oh, great. Well, there's you can pre-order it. It's like, Great. it's pop. People are already posting. They have it in England. People are getting it in Canada. Okay. Um, so that tells me it's sitting, it's like ready to go. But the official release day is May 23rd. Um, and this book is, it's not about me, but these are all practices that I have utilized and people I know have utilized from different spiritual traditions, from magic to yoga uh, to working with, you know, what I call transformational arts people, you know, I've mm. had some great life coaches, a lot of lessons learned on the way. Um, and like, here, here's one 50 things you can do to earn money now. So if you're in a, I actually got people doing that at the height of COVID because everyone's in a pant. Like, we didn't know like, we're going to lose everything. We're going to be out in the streets. And that, that has happened. But this, the original practice is 100. But if you're feeling like scarce about money and you feel like you have no options, just make a list. Write down 50 things, even if you won't do them, even if you're not going to like start a cleaning service or go collect recycling cans and redeem them for the five or 10 cents. Um, but you realize that you have a lot more talent and you have a lot more options out there. I mean, anxiety, like money lack of money produces a lot of anxiety mm. um so that's like one little practice in here that will change your mindset and you're like wait i have talent so we're in this theme of recording this of themes of where do you have talents you know and uh, and start applying those but i i definitely money has been a long journey for me mm -hmm. 
Well, I listened to a podcast that you did a while back where you talked about some of those moments being a male, white, 40-year-old and being like, I'm supposed to be a certain thing. And that really rang true for me, even though I'm none of those things. But because I see that, I see that in men that I am friends with. I see that in men walking down the street and I see how that like, you know, the body dysmorphia and all the things that come along with male mental health that's still in today seen as a non-issue, especially for white men. You know, it's like, <coughs> you're fine. Well, poor, you know, little white boy, you know, all you need to do is try. But the reality is frequency. I mean, if that shit's not right, like it doesn't matter what color you are, or where you're from, it's just going to look like crap. Yeah, that frequency is really disempowering. I don't think there's enough compassion or awareness as to what men go through. And it's not like men are even generally speaking, aren't going to talk about it. Like I'm not starting men's groups to be like, yeah. you know, let's like, where did you feel like a, a loser? I wish there was, I mean, now, like, I feel like my greatest success is literally like, is Gina is for the most part a stay at home mom now. That's sort of our joke. Mm-hmm. We work from home. Yeah, but she's doing a lot less at the back end and we have help now. And uh, that feels really good to me. Mm. Uh, and I just, I don't feel like our society is grooming men at all to want to feel empowered to create legacy of family. Um, you know, in magic, one of the teachings that if you're a teacher, you have to leave a legacy. So like writing a book or now in my case, two books, like I'm like, okay, I'm fulfilling that, but having a family, I feel like men are mostly groomed to go either try to be, you know, magnanimously successful and a dashing playboy and gallivant around and always be, whether if you make a ton of money, you're going to be stunted on some level. Um, or, you know, if you're broke, I know what guys feel. And I used to do comedy and I had a joke. I was like, oh, I was like, women complain that like it takes them two hours to like get ready to go out on a date. I was like, it takes men like years to get ready to go out on a date because you want to like, you want to like have enough money. You want to impress. You want to have like a good car, you know, and that's the vanity of, of our society. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that is something that could be compassionately addressed more. And I, I just think it really transcends like cultural or cultural limitations and things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could like, sure. I mean, I know I'm like a white guy. I don't like, and I don't identify like my identity isn't like I'm a man. It's the work I do is very like female driven, like more women are drawn to these types of means of self-discovery and self-improvement in my experience. Are there men around? Yes. But for the most part, um, yeah, I don't know. I really let that get me down. I mean, talk about feeling like I, I had a bicycle, you know what I mean? Like uh, I would meet like a girl in LA and they're like some super, literally some occasionally be like a famous supermodel. You were like looking them up. You're like, Oh, okay. Um, and then I didn't want to meet them. Like, I'm going to like go bike to like a mm. place I couldn't afford. You know, so I just, I see where you can just be that guy that's just going to give up and like live in a basement, you know? 
Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about the work that you do, the way that you speak, maybe who you are as a person is you're so real. Like, I love that you can talk about this stuff because you've had so much life experience. And then growing up in that ashram, like you were born into this life. So you're not some person that moved to LA and like found it at 39. And now you're this master. Like, I think that growing up through it, you've bypassed a lot of the cliches and the things that make this unapproachable and feel weird to a lot of people. And I really respect that. I love that so much. Uh, I love hearing that. I feel like I do embody it. I've been lucky to have very powerful teachers. What I will say, though, what I found delightful about Los Angeles as I started to get into this work more, which was really like my destiny, was um, in L.A., like growing up on an ashram, numerology. These are all marketable skill sets. There's like a, there's a magic in L.A. And I finally didn't have to hide it. Like when I was a little kid. Oh. Um, but well, not that, like when I was like 10, 11, I started going to public school. Uh, because the ashram had, had moved to a different state. And we were just, I was in my little community. We went to our own private school. We'd go to school every day. We'd chant. We'd have like do a little puja ceremony. We'd do yoga. All the kids would meditate. We had a circle. We'd all go around, I guess like show and tell or something. But we'd talk about what's going on with us and our feelings. And um, then I'm in like regular public school, which felt like I was in like, I don't know who these kids were like a bunch of like, you know, uh, barbarians that ate sugar and red meat and were all mean, right? Like that, I was like used to a very caring, sensitive environment. Um, But I was like really ashamed. I wanted parents that were super straight. Even my parents did like craft shows for a living. And I I wanted like, you know, I started dressing really, um, like really nice. Like I, I had like always had nice shoes and button up shirt. I tried to look really straight, and I just wanted like, oh, if only my parents worked at like a corporation or did something <laughs> like that. You just want to fit in, you know. So I was like for a while embarrassed. Um, then you know, you get older, you don't care. But L.A. like I, the culture really values these alternative ideas and alternative mindsets and i think now it's more aware more mainstream uh but Mm -hmm. it definitely helped me to learn to like monetize my skill sets i mean that was i used to do readings like maybe a little donation and i just didn't think i always thought oh for someone to do what i do that's just what somebody like someone else does that you don't really make it as a teacher Right. L.A. is full of people that want to make it. They want to be the next prophet of humanity, guru, yoga teacher or something. Um, But if you have the goods, I mean, my stuff all developed word of mouth. And then my clients, it just got to a point. It just like I barely even do readings. It's more like teaching and sharing and writing and things like that. Um, So, yeah, I mean. It's just, I think it's about embodying it It's and being like, you know, I do it because this is what I love the most. And I still never thought it was a, a means to like make a living at all. Yeah. And I think the lesson for a lot of people is if it's the thing you would do for free, a lot of times those seem like those are the things that you become the most successful at and probably be willing to Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, 
what makes your prosperity book different than other how to make money books out there? Uh, the, <laughs> get rich quick. Well, so it's <laughs> prosperity practices. Mm. So the, in the sort of say new agey law of attraction world, um, I think a lot of that short circuits, right? So I see uh, it's all visualization. You're all in the cosmos, right? And this is, is this is like tangible. I'm going to do this right here and now. And so that's why it's a practice, right? Um, so it's not just like positive thinking. These are just little things that you do. But I think that um, A, like these are things that I've done. I've had a powerful transformation, but these are also practices that I've seen other people have even more powerful transformations. And I think I throw enough in here, like some of these, if you do these will be an aha mm -hmm. shift and an aha moment. And some might be positive, may not have that depth, but one of the practices, and I share the story in this book about not complaining. I know a woman who set out, she was with a little group of people and their goal was to become multimillionaires. Sure, did they do the other work? Did they have some sort of opportunity, right? And I feel like some of this new agey stuff out there is like you sit around, you manifest, and a check's gonna show up for you for like two million. You just disassociate for a little bit and something magical. Yeah, it's like well said. Yeah, you totally disassociate, associate, and uh, you're off in the ethers. Money's all energy anyhow. <laughs> um, and then nothing happens. And like I always, I always want to do comedy around this. Like you're going to pay your your like landlord or whatever your mortgage. You're like, oh man, it's all just energy, and I'm sending you good vibes. This is hands on, but this woman did that practice she is a multimillionaire between property assets other things did she have a means of business she was creating yes but she felt that was the one practice as long as, as well as doing all of the other stuff but that was the little thing that pushed it all over the edge mm. and so i drop a lot of these in here what changed my life the most was that first gratitude list i started tracking my numbers and i started doing some prosperity meditations as well as I hustled my ass off, right? Like I, there's a book chapter in here, like don't, like just always be earned. If money's your focus, always be earned. Don't come in like, oh, I'm too good for that. I'm too good to do Uber Eats or these like odds and ends jobs. Um, I did all that crap as I was building this business up. Um, so it's really hands-on. This isn't like the stuff of fantasy this isn't just blind visualization and endless hope because I've seen that. I've, I've literally done readings for people where I'd see in their chart, my God, this person absolutely could build out like a huge like center. They should have they the great stuff for properties, retreat spaces, all that type of stuff. They're like, this is exactly what crying. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I know it's going to happen. And then I find out they have like literally $18 in the bank. Mm. I'm like, well, that's a big disconnect. I don't know what, the, all the energy is here, but then you have to do the legwork. Like, so I teach in this, the magical teaching is making yourself a fit receptacle. So this book is rooted in reality and doing the work and not just the fantasy of just a positive thought. Positive thinking is one part of it. I mean, you've probably seen it. Like people visualize, oh, I want, I mean, especially in LA, people are like, oh, I want to be, you know, a big producer. I'm like, well, what are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. 
You know, you might have a powerful vision of it, but you also need to start pulling. You need to do it. Right. This is a book of action. Beautiful. We need everyone needs a microdose on little bits of action. I had a we need to microdose that. action. On yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I was at, I was in LA a couple weeks ago and I went to a restaurant and sat at the bar area and met this really lovely young man who is a director and moved to LA to be a director. And he's working at a restaurant like a lot of them do. And he was telling me the idea for his next thing. And I was like, great, what are you doing about that? And he's like, well, I haven't really gotten started on it. And then asked him the question, but like, why? He's like, well, do you want me to really tell you why? And what he's alluding to is like, I'm scared as fuck. Like, what happens if I actually try? And so yeah. how about we, how will we end on this? Um, I don't what is the thing? <laughs> no, I don't want you to go. <laughs> what is the thing that keeps people from being prosperous? Oh, <laughs> that is, that is deep. Um, I, I, I think ultimately it's some level, I mean, sure, there's all the program, but it's some level of fear of success or fear of failure. And I think that comes down to um, comfort zone. Comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. So just try it out. People like create these shows in their head about everything that nobody's watching. Nobody cares. And as you, you just got to do the work, like, and just try it out. Like that one, that's even ties to the numerology of 11. Like you may not know for sure, but at least try something. It gets momentum going. It gets mm. the ball rolling. And that the universe responds to that. And I think the universe responds to putting in the effort and the work because a real pro to me is doing the work the amateur is just living in the realm of ideas. Everybody in LA and everywhere else has a great idea for something, but it, it's useless if you don't put it into reality. I'd suggest taking the action, put something into reality and say, all right, that wasn't as good as I thought, or it wasn't whatever, because then there's momentum. The universe responds to that in making it real. Beautiful. Remington, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're on my show. You're my favorite numerologist well, ever. <laughs> um, how many numerologists do you know? I feel like it's like when my I stopped looking. <laughs> when my um, when my book hit number one in like new numerology. Well, Jessica, you're amazing. I'm super grateful. I know we've been we've been wanting to do this for a few months now, but I was like number. I hit number one in new release numerology. I'm like because I'm probably the only book, and I actually went on to Amazon. And there was 28 books in that category. Hey. I was like, who the hell are these people writing about numerology? Because um, my joke is like, I'm the guy, I wrote the book on it. Uh-huh, yeah. But my next book is Prosperity Practices, Harnessing the Power of Positive Thinking to Get the Life You Want. These are gems. This, These are the things that absolutely changed my life. And I literally went from severe suicidal depression, flat broke on food stamps to like, I support a family. I mean, I do what I love for a living. I call the shots. I create my schedule. And I thought I'd always be alone, you know, and I have a really amazing wife who's also really attractive. She uh, is. She's and, hot. And, uh, and my son is adorable. And so... 
these were the things I never thought I just, I gave up at some point, you know, and it's the, I share with the world, literally the practices that I did. And so you may already be operating at a bigger level. You can still use these, whatever you want to level up in your life. That's what this book is for and wherever you're at and whatever prosperity means for you. So I'm super excited about this because at the end of the day, I think real spirituality is about causing that change and creating and having a better life on all levels. And it's all your spirituality. Beautiful. So you are amazing. I really respect the deep work you do. I would love to do this again and we could go even deeper and darker. Yeah, we didn't get to touch on the aliens and the stuff we were like playing around Next with. time, oh. alien prosperity. Alien prosperity. Oh my God, I'm so here for it. So what I'm going to do is track my dreams and all the questions that need answering. And then- Oh um, my God. No, for real, do that. I love, <laughs> I don't advertise dream interpretation, but it's mm. like a through Kabbalah. It's divination. I love interpreting dreams. Oh, I love that. I've had some really weird ones lately. So there's a lot. <laughs> oh, I, okay. We, I mean, we could probably sit here for the rest of the day into <laughs> tomorrow with so much to talk about, but you are such a gem and such a like bright and helpful energy. And I know the deeper work you do and it's powerful and transformative and such a, such a sincerity and a grace and like just a nicety. It just, there's a levity make it easy like i will tell i'm here i am podcasting about you know wanting to die so that yeah. you know if you, you just help me feel loved and safe and open you know so i think you're doing really profound work thank you for saying that and thank you for coming on and for everybody watching and listening pick up remington's books the numerology one I have here, if you're watching the YouTube version, they're so cute and so beautiful. Oh yeah, they're like, super they're, gifty both. I, they're adorable. Like I love having them just out because they, they're a vibe. And I love a hardcover too. It's yeah, just, I'm grateful. Like, my... It feels very like theatrical and like ceremonial to open up a hard book, you know? It does. They did it, my, just, uh, I know we're trying to end, but my, my team <laughs> is really, really sweet. They're mostly English. One of the designers is Australian, but the designer emailed me when she first got the contract for this book. And she said, um, she's like, tarot and yoga and symbolism are my favorite things. This book's a dream project. Mm -hmm. And my editor is just her. She has such a, a kind energy, but her mother is, is really into all this stuff in England. And she actually sent me a, a pendulum that she made out of mm. these ancient stones by the sea, by where she lives in England. So there's just, my team really has like a caring and sincere energy. And I think it just comes through in the visuals, the, in the writing and just the general energy around it. So I feel really blessed to have like a really supportive crew. And we just were like, let's make the best books on this. Oh, well, I hope you write like 10 more books because I like all of them. I'm working on it. I'm about to pitch another book. I have, I have many in the works, at least three more for sure. Awesome. Well, you're going to come back on soon. Yeah, and... I'd love to. We're settled. So let me know. I'll hop on. We'll go deep, dark, dream, weird. <laughs> Yay. There we go. All right, Remington. Love you. Thank you so much. Love you too. Thanks, Jessica. Bye.